We are ending our series called Getting Off Track. We don't want to go back to how it was. We don't want to live in such a way that we end up right here again. No way. In general, we have become a tense, polarized nation, right? Do not sign me up for seconds or repeats or redos of that or this season, please. Over the course of this series, we have exchanged disappointment for satisfaction, discouragement for the steadfastness of God, division for unity and peace, debt for abundance. And today, we are going to trade out one last thing, and it does start with a D, denial. And I'm not talking about the river in Egypt, denial. We have all been denied so much in this season, denied the ability to meet as a church, denied the ability to see each other's smiles. I can't tell if I'm smiling under the mask. Denied the touch of another. We've been denied freedoms. Even the freedom of our minds has been denied by the barrage of daily blasts of bad news and more numbers and figures about COVID this and that. I have not been denied this much since I was trying to find a date to prom. (laughs) True story. Perhaps you are like me, tired of living life with one hand tied behind our backs, limited by the circumstances around and within us. And so today I want to offer an alternative to denial. Hope. Anybody want some hope? Smash the like button, type amen. Today's message is entitled, From Crutch, like what you put on your arm, under your arm, uh, to Anchor. From Crutch to Anchor. You can think of today as a journey away from denial towards hope. Uh, From being locked up to freedom, to life on pause, to life completely on full. As with our entire series, the way out of denial is repentance, to have a change of mind, a lasting change. And that way forward, a lasting change of mind is produced by the authority found in God's word. Remember, faith comes by hearing and that of God's word. Today, you're going to see in this story a path from a life that's been denied to a life alive. If you have a Bible, you want to take it open to John chapter 4. Uh, five. We're going to be looking at verses one to nine. And instead of just reading the story, I'm just going to kind of tell it to you here a little bit and then pick it up. But there, there's a time in Jesus's ministry, the three years that he was doing ministry, uh, that he goes up to Jerusalem. And it's always up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was up on a mountain. Uh, it still is. Uh, for one of those Jewish festivals that they would normally gather for. And when he was there in Jerusalem, there's a pool that sits near one of the gates, which is called Bethesda, Bethsaida, and it's surrounded by a bunch of colonnades. Like, I mean, can you imagine? It's just a beautiful, like, it would seem in my mind like a resort setting. Here's these beautiful porches covered, and people are there. And all the time, a whole bunch of disabled people would gather around this pool because they believed the waters had healing in them. One of the guys that was there, who was laying there under a colonnade, hoping to get into this healing water, was a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years. That is a long time. Now let's pick it up in verse 6. I want to read to you what happens. When Jesus saw this man lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked the guy, do you want to get well? Like, do you want to get well? Because you've been laying here 
for 38 years. Verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. They get the healing before I can get the healing is what he's saying. Verse 8, then Jesus said to him these words, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9 says, At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Praise be to God. There's so many teachings you can lift from this incredible story. Teachings about healing, community, what Jesus really came to heal. But today, I want you to see the aftermath of an interaction with Jesus. What Jesus produces in a person. Now, just for a moment, if we could somehow allow ourselves to imagine, however difficult this might be, what it would be like to a person in this man's condition, this invalid, 38 years, how many freedoms and things that we take for granted had been denied to this man? I mean, he lives on a mat. He lives at the level of our shins. Like that's his perspective, the vantage point that he lives life from. He's been denied common decency for most people as invalids at that time were considered less than second-class citizens. I mean, he's like the lowest of the low. He's been denied the ability with, to run with children, to dance with friends, to hug his neighbors. And then comes Jesus, and the results are astonishing. Jesus says to him three phrases that I want you to write down over the course of this message. Get up, take your mat, go home. I want you to have these words spoken over all of us today. We who have been enduring our own season of denials, Jesus says to us first, get up. He asked the invalid the question, and maybe he's asking it of us today. Do you really want to be made well? Do you really want this whole COVID thing to be over? Then it's time to get up. I want you to notice something very interesting about this story. This man doesn't know who Jesus is. He's not like some other beggars, beggars that we read about in the scriptures who cry out to Jesus, Jesus, son of man, son of God, come see me, heal me. He's not even like the man who's on another mat, who's also paralyzed, who his friends bring to a house and they dig a hole in the roof and lower him down because they know that Jesus is in there, right? He has no idea who Jesus is. He even calls him sir because he doesn't know his name. He doesn't know who he is. It's like when you see somebody you kind of know and you don't know their name. So you're like, hey, dude. Well, hey, man, good to see you. I don't know your name. This guy has no idea who Jesus is. And so he doesn't put his faith in him. There's no mention of faith in this story, how the man believed Jesus could heal and therefore Jesus did heal. That didn't happen in this story. Jesus is the one who sees the man in his condition has compassion on the man and comes over to heal him, whether the man believes or not. Jesus said, get up anyway. It is Jesus's words alone that take authority over the illness. He doesn't wave a wand. He doesn't use the healing pool. He just speaks and the illness obeys and flees. The healing came in a way for this man that he did not expect. He thought, I'm going to get into the pool and I'm going to be healed inside of this pool when the waters are stirred. But that's not the way he was healed. Can we just pause here for a second? Do you think the way that COVID and this entire season is going to end is the same way Jesus knows it's going to end? I mean, you think, I think, we know the answer. This is what's going to happen. Jesus actually 
knows the answer. So he says to the man, he says to us, get up. Enough of living in a crouched, shrunken back posture. (laughs) Maybe this is you. You're not sure how all this is going to be cured, all this season that we've been in, all the denial. You candidly haven't even been looking to Jesus to solve this issue. Maybe you or many around us have been waiting for the government to get its act together and fix us. Or maybe you've been waiting for a vaccine to rescue us, or you're just waiting for this whole thing to blow over. Well, isn't it great to know? Jesus sees us in our condition, even if we don't see him for who he is and the power that he can wield in our life. And in his compassion, he comes to each of us and says in his own way, gentle, maybe forceful, whatever way that we need to hear it. And he says, it's time to get up. Now, listen, I'm not saying we go hog wild and have zero cares about our health and the health of others. We should all do our part to promote peace and health. What I am saying is it's time to start living again, to believe God has a victory for the church to display as we stop cowering under the weight of earthly circumstances and instead ride the wings of God's promises. Getting up looks like taking joy to the masses where bleakness has become a bedfellow. Getting up means engaging in what truly matters in this season, loving people, pursuing people for the sake of the kingdom. Getting up means taking back the mental spaces we have rented out to news media and social media. Getting up looks like taking our spiritual lives out of neutral and smashing the accelerator to the floor. Let's go. Repent. Change your minds. No more living in a funk. Secondly, Jesus says, take your mat. The mat in this story represents the weakness of this man's condition. He's tied to this mat. This mat is where he lies while life goes on around him. In many ways, this mat has become a crutch. I can't do anything or go anywhere. I just need to lay here on my mat and wait for healing. Hmm. Jesus tells him to take his mat. Why? Because the mat is evidence. I once was bound by this, had to live upon it, but now I am free. This thing in my hands used to be my captor, but I'm free. And on top of that, to leave the mat where it was would be a possible invitation to return to it, to return to his crutch. Instead, pick it up and walk. Dear sister in Christ wrote a post on Facebook back in July. Her name's Alyssa. And uh, many of the sentiments she shared are the same sentiments I'm trying to express to you, but she said it so beautifully, and I often quote famous people. Why not quote one of our own sisters? This is what she said. What had become a crutch, this man's mat, became a witness as he obeyed Jesus to get up, to rise up above what you are dealing with. That mat you have been laying on has become more comfortable And he would become complacent, being paralyzed instead of stepping up and stepping out. Your healing, your breakthrough, my healing and breakthrough is on the other side of our obedience. So pick up what you have been laying on and let your weakness become your witness. Can I say that again? Let your weakness become your witness. I was cowering. I was fearful. I was broke. I was uh, bound and lonely. Whatever it is. And you say, you know what? I'm taking that mat and I'm taking it with me to show everyone what meant to harm me, what meant to keep me captive has now been demolished and I am set free. Take up your mat. Don't linger here any longer. And finally, Jesus says to all of us, 
go home. Go home. To me, this is clearly a picture of God saying, it's time to go on living now. Here at the pool, you have been apart from your family. Here, waiting at this pool, you've missed so many moments. Here at this pool, you've been no help to anyone. It's time to go home and live. Yeah. This sounds great, but maybe you're not sure you have a home to go to, a, a life to go live well. Where, where do you find that? Just recently, Christine and I, along with our daughter, Audrey, uh, moved our oldest son, Owen, into his dorm room at the University of Florida a couple of Saturdays ago. We had to leave our youngest behind because of COVID restrictions and how many people we could have in the dorm, et cetera, et cetera. But as we arrived on campus, driving onto campus, I was feeling for Owen, for my son. It, it's just so big. All the kids there look old, like they know what they're doing and experts. And it's my kid. He's my son. And even the dorms look confusing. Everything just seemed not familiar. And, and that's coming from someone who attended the University of Florida. It just felt like, whoa, whoa. And then we walked into his room. He started putting away his clothes, hanging some stuff up on the wall that he had brought from home. And the longer we were there, a memory came back to me. And sometimes when I was at UF, the largeness of the place, the amount of people, the noise, all the study and test, all the requirements of college life, it could be a little overwhelming. But I learned something pretty early that once I got back to my dorm room and I shut the door and sat down, that I would calm down. In that giant jungle of a university, my room became a respite. It was, even if temporarily, home. I would sit in class, be stuck at the library or at my job, which was Radio Shack. Thank you very much. And I would just long to be in my own little home. It gave me peace to go home. I wonder today if Jesus were to say to you and to me, get up. It's time to start living. Take your mat. You don't need this crutch anymore and go home. Go find your place of peace. Is there anyone here who would say, and if Jesus told me to go home, I don't have a clue where to go. And I'm not talking necessarily about your physical home. I'm talking about that place of respite and peace that helps you live fully alive. I have a home to suggest to you if you're looking for one. It's an object with which we can replace the crutch. That crutch, this COVID crutch, we've been living in a certain lifestyle for so long. I want to replace the crutch with another object. You're going to hear it in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. It's in the title of today's message. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Mechizedek. That's a fun name to say. Because of Jesus, I want you to know, we have the right to anchor ourselves in the holy of holies. What's that, you say? The holy of holies is the place where God resides, where mercy is lavished upon those who believe. Literally, the holy of holies was the place back in the old days, the Old Testament days, where they would set up this temple, this tabernacle, and it's the place, the holy of holies, where God's presence would literally meet with one human once a year. 
It was the place of God's throne, the throne called the mercy seat. There was a holy veil that separated mere mortals from this holy place. But listen to this, that veil that separated us from the holy place tore right down the middle when Jesus was crucified, signifying to everybody, to anyone who would believe that Jesus provides access into the holy of holies. Is this the truth? Jesus is the way. He's the way into the presence of God. When the writer of Hebrews says that our anchor enters into the inner sanctuary, he's saying that we, through faith in Jesus, have great gift of being able to be tethered to the Son of God, to the power of God, and the presence of God. What does this mean? It means that what you are anchored to will wholly affect how you live, how you feel, and even what you express. If you were going to go over a cliff, let's say, but had the chance before you went over that cliff to tether to something, would you choose a bowl full of jello or a California redwood? I tell you this, what the world has to offer is jello. <laughs> Jesus is like the tree of life, and you can tether to him, you can anchor yourself to the Son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, some people have marveled at how our dear brother, Gary Brown has handled the illness and the passing of his precious wife, Myrna. I am one of the ones who has marveled at Gary's steadfastness, his perseverance, his faith, his generosity, his grace in this entire ordeal. I will tell you how Gary did that, how Gary endured as the champion that we all know him to be. You already know how he did it. He anchored his soul in the holy of holies. He decided to start living again, to get up. He decided to take his mat, not to use the situation he was walking through as a crutch and to go home, to anchor his soul to the source. And I just want to say those three phrases to you one more time. Speak these words over you. Get up. It's time to start living again. Take your mat. You don't need the crutch of COVID or any other excuse anymore. And go home. Anchor your soul to the source of life. This is how we repent. This is how we change our minds. To God be the glory. I'm not going back to the way I was before. I'm going forward with Jesus. I'm getting off this track and getting on the new way that leads to life in abundance. My question for you today is, who's coming with me? Are you coming with me? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you for the concept of repentance, that all of us have this hope that we are not stuck in our ways and we are not bound to the contraptions and the evil of this earth, but you can renew us through the washing of your word and transform our minds to move us from this track of brokenness and excuses to the way that leads to life in abundance. Father, I pray today that we may move forward beyond this COVID season, not to be crazy and dumb with our health, but to rise up and to live, to be the church who sends a message to the world that there is life, there is hope, there is peace in Jesus Christ. And so Lord, I speak over your saints for all who are watching today, that we would get up, take our mats, and walk straight into your presence. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.